Gonna head mate forty here, listening to Richard Spencer's conversation with his philosopher David Scarbina. So he's talking about when the Romans took control of, of Palestine, they took, they stole, they murdered, they raped. Right, so in the Gospels, the Romans are these kind of shadowy figures, right? Even though they're the ones who are actually running things in the first century of Palestine at the time of Jesus. Yeah, obviously a lot of resentment, a lot of anger there by the people who were in charge, which was the, the various Jewish tribes. Um, the people who were there. You think? You know, normally people are excited to be invaded and conquered and have, you know, foreigners ruling them. Really? Yeah, so the kingdom of heaven, from a Jewish perspective, 2,000 years ago, meant self-rule, right? Jews in control of their own destiny, right? It wasn't an otherworldly thing. It wasn't, you know, salvation to another world. It was about salvation in this world, away from the barbaric Romans and their cruel regime. So yeah, there are many different Jewish responses to the Romans. Right, some just tried to make the best of things, right? Just uh, cede to the power. Another approach was like revolution and assassination. Right? So many different Jewish approaches. Two thousand years ago, there are many different Jewish sects. There were the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the uh, Zealots. The assassins. Kind of, you know, renegade killers trying to uh, assassinate individual Romans as a way to uh, attack them, you know, to, to, to get back at them, okay? Of course, you're facing the largest military in the world, so you have uh, limited options at that point. But obviously, individual small-scale attacks were working, so there was more movement on foot there. Um, but I, I sort of speculated, you know, the intellectuals like, like Paul, who was an intellectual, he was, you know, a well-educated elite uh, Jew, and, you know, he would likely have known that, hey, this little stabbing and killings was probably not going to really do it in the long run. And so... Paul had a tremendous imagination. There's no evidence that he was much of a scholar, no evidence that he could even read the Hebrew Bible in Hebrew. So he was not a scholar of things Jewish. His claims about having studied Rabban Gamliel are lies, because to study with Rabban Gamliel, you'd have to speak Hebrew. There's all evidence we have is that uh, Paul could not speak Hebrew. Like he, he was relying upon Greek translations of the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh what Christians called the Old Testament. So from everything we know, Paul didn't speak Hebrew. Paul, I think, was from Tiberias. There were no Jewish academies there. All right, so he was Jewishly ignorant, but had a superficial understanding of the Hebrew Bible, gained through the Greek translation Septuagint, and he had ambition and imagination. Okay, I don't think it holds up to see the Apostle Paul as being primarily motivated by trying to take down the Romans. 
And there isn't a lot of anti-Roman sentiment in the Apostle Paul. There's some, but there's plenty of render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Uh, there's some uh, anti-Jewish sentiment. Right, so it's not unknown that a person with an above-average intelligence such as Paul will sell something to the masses that uh, he thinks will get the masses moving in a direction he likes. So, see the same kind of phenomenon with Donald Trump. He's the great pro whisperer. You know, he knows how to speak to the 95 IQ crowd, like uh, almost no other politician in, in the last 20 years. Paul was not a systematic thinker. He was not a systematic theologian. Right? He was someone with a tremendous imagination. If you understand your religion, you're not really religious. So, of course, most people don't have you know, a profound understanding of their own religion. It just just happens to be the social club that they were raised in. Paul never met Jesus, and it, it, and these are letters to again various sects of Christianity, where he's kind of uh, you know hammering away at ideology. And, you know, oh, no, that's... Well, these weren't sects of Christianity; they were sects of the the Jesus movement. There wasn't really a Christianity in the first century. That's that's wrong. That's heretical. This is this is the right one. Um, uh, so he, he's a kind of movement organizer is the best way of describing him. And but, but there's the other thing that that I would that I would stress is that Paul found Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, so again, again, he, there's the story of the you know trip to Damascus and, and Epiphany and so on. But he's he, he never met the historical figure Jesus. If, if he existed, he kind of found him in the text. And so. Um, Christianity is profoundly Jewish in that sense. Uh, it, it isn't, it, it, there isn't... Okay, Christianity isn't profoundly Jewish because Paul was able to read Jesus into the text of the Hebrew Bible any more than Buddhism would be profoundly 40 just because I'm able to, say, read the sacred text of Buddhism and see myself foretold there. Islam is not profoundly 40 if I can read the Quran and see myself prophesied there. Right? Your ability to read your imagination into some ancient text doesn't mean that it's really there in the text. You know, right? It doesn't make Christianity profoundly Jewish. 
it isn't like, you know, God, you know, chose the Jews for a time and then he just created this whole new thing. You know, it has nothing to do with the, the Old Testament. No, um, the, the myth of Jesus and even the story of Jesus emerged from the Old Testament. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't important differences, but of course there are, but it, it is profoundly Jewish in its inception. No, that doesn't make it profoundly Jewish, all right? There are claims, all right, wanting to, to take on the mantle of things Jewish. But uh, reading, you know, reading Jesus into the Hebrew Bible doesn't make Christianity profoundly Jewish. Uh, Paul was not educated Jewishly. He couldn't even read Hebrew. He was, there's absolutely no basis to believe that he was literate in Hebrew. All evidence shows that he couldn't read Hebrew. Ago, he was a Jewishly ignorant Jew. He didn't know the Hebrew Bible. He relied on a Hebrew translation. just shows you how ignorant he was. Yeah, you'd have to. You can read anything you want into a text, including the Hebrew Bible. So that's eisegesis when you read a meaning into the text. Exegesis is when you deduce a meaning from the text. So Christianity is engaged in eisegesis, not exegesis. Yeah, and you can do all that from a translation. You don't need to know the Hebrew to come up with these imaginative roaming. Okay, the notion of some suffering Messiah who takes the world's sins upon his shoulders 
is unknown in Judaism. As. Obviously, that Jesus doesn't do that at all. But again, there is very strong precedent. I mean, and the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 refers to the Jewish people. Right? It refers to Israel. It doesn't refer to an individual. I mean, I, I've been exposed also to, to, to Daniel um, in the sense of uh, many, particularly Protestant Christians, will say, you know, this is the text that the Jews don't want, don't want to know about because this just... Prom- Let me just fast they, forward they, through they, this nonsense. And of course, that was a very hard sell at the time because the Jews were just crushed. I mean, the Romans rolled in and boom, they're, you know, they're yeah. just... Yeah, it was a hard sell then. It was a hard sell 100 years later. It was a hard sell 200 years later. Like Jews who know anything about Judaism in the Hebrew Bible just simply don't buy the claims of Christianity. They don't buy the claims made for, for Jesus. Right? Only Jewishly ignorant Jews can buy into this. Because it's completely repellent from a Jewish perspective. The idea of this cannibalistic ritual sacrifice where you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the God being sent to earth to die on a cross, all right? This is all repellent from a Jewish perspective. This trampled underfoot, so, so you, you, you were hard-pressed to look for a warrior king who was going to save you at that point. It was a lot easier to find the suffering victim. Excuse me. Uh, Jews have never looked for a Messiah who's a suffering victim. Right? First of all, the doctrine of the Messiah plays very little importance in the way that Jews lead their lives. Right? It's an esoteric you know, piece of uh, storytelling that uh, doesn't have much practical significance. And then, to the extent it does have a significance, it's never some individual suffering for the world's sins. The suffering victim who took a moral position, got himself killed, and now he's, you know, beloved of God because he was such a great guy. That's a whole lot easier story to sell at the time that Paul is, you know, constructing his, his, his theory. Yeah, it was an easier story to sell to Gentiles. Not an easy story to sell to Jews. Jews are a tough audience. You ever spoken to a group of Jews, that you know that they're kind of feisty. Uh, and have one very nice Protestant friend who had a lot of Jews at her event. Like, right in the middle of her talk, someone stood up and said, some Jews stood up and said, I've never heard such nonsense, you know, my whole life. Uh, Jews Jews are a tough audience. They they don't uh, just sit back and passively buy into things. So, yeah, it makes sense. Paul must have known both sides. He would have known about the warrior king side and sort of the suffering savior. And he's like, all right, I'll take, I'll take that suffering savior because I can match that to the guy who got crucified a couple years ago and I can make a good story out of that. Right. So, do, do you... Yeah, that wouldn't sell to Jews. That would sell to more credulous non-Jews. Do you, do you think that Paul's motivation motivations were ideological in the sense and in some ways cryptic in the sense that he was trying to create this ideology that would undermine the Roman ideology. He had many ideologies of them. Paul had a tremendous imagination. Right? He had a gift with words. He had a high verbal IQ. I don't think you need to go deeper than that. 